Welcome to True Health Live. We explore and acknowledge basic truths in public health. If you're a student or a public health professional or just plain curious about public health in general, then this is the place for you. Join us. Peace and greetings, everyone. Welcome to True Health Live. This is episode 17. We have been moving. It's very hard to believe we like 17 episodes. So I am your host, Mrs. Sully, joined by my co-host, Precious Stepney, and Anushka Gopilal. Say hey, ladies. Hi. Reminds me, <laughs> Reminds me of that movie. You ever seen Grown Ups yeah. with Chris Rock? <laughs> <laughs> hey, ladies. I'm Precious Stepney, too. <laughs> All right. So today we are talking about, we're still in our mental, our maternal health series <clears throat> for the summer. And today we are focused on postpartum experiences. So whether that be postpartum depression, um, you know, experiences with lactation, mental health issues, um, um, your menses returning um, post baby, we're going to be talking about all of that. We did invite uh, viewers to come in and share their postpartum stories. So if you are interested, I do have the DMs on monitor. So you can follow the instructions. Go to True Health Live's Instagram at True Health Live, um, T-R-U-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-L-I-V-E. And you can DM us or you can email truehealthlive at gmail.com. And um, I will send you the link. Um, we're not no longer putting links in the posts because that invites some undesirable people sometimes. <laughs> um, I've had some experiences. You didn't see them, but I did. So um, if you are interested in um, coming on and sharing your postpartum story, you can you know follow those directions on the True Health Live IG and um, we'll bring you in. Um, and you can you know take a few minutes to share your story and we'll just talk about it. Or if you know me personally, you can just text me. <laughs> so um, for our two moms on the panel today, we actually have three moms, but um, Alia can join us today and she'll be back at the end of this month. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you ladies because this is your expertise. This is your field. So, you know, let's talk about like some of the postpartum issues. I think when people hear postpartum, like the first thing, especially for someone who has not had children, I think, oh, postpartum depression. But it really is a word that encompasses everything that happens post-birth, post-pregnancy. So, you know, um, what are some of your experiences, whether it has been, you know, I think on the first show we touched on like things like lactation and, you know, latching on and things like that. Um, what it does to your body afterwards, you know, the thing, the physical things and sensations that you feel. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some of those things. Who wants to go first? I would love to jump in first. Greetings and great day. Um, when we think of postpartum, unfortunately, I think that many go straight to challenges. Um, but that's not the perspective that I want to open with because postpartum it means exactly what you just said, Sister Deidre. It is everything after delivery. So I really wanted to open up with postpartum self-care and just how important it is um, for us to recognize, you know, that your body is coming back to, well, as actually it's not going back to anything. It's kind of entering into a whole nother phase, right? It's, it's probably never going back to what it was, which isn't necessarily a bad thing either. 
Um, and so a part of that experience, uh, and I had a really, really phenomenal elder um, in my workplace uh, when I had my, my first child, my daughter, who actually gifted me during my, my you know office baby shower at the time. Um, everything that she gifted me were things for me. Um, not at all. And it, it surprised me. I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Nothing for the baby. Um, and she came to me after and actually it was written in the card, you know, you're, you're important as well. And my daughter is 11 and I still remember that card on that day, um, because it helped to affirm that yes, the baby will come and everyone will be focused on her. Um, but I have these products that are just for me. Um, so I think that I wanted to just share that as number one, you are important as well. And self-care is paramount to being a phenomenal parent and being able to, you know, from a, a grounded and um, holistic perspective to be able to care for your, your youngster, your new baby. So well, I guess we'll kind of bat back and forth. So um, I'll, I'll go with that one for now. I guess we were on the same page, Precious, because <laughs> I, I, I love that you started um, the conversation off in that way. Um, well, I was a young mom. So when I had my daughter, all the things were new for me. Um, but I do recall, like Deidre, what you said about um, postpartum and everyone says depression. I mentioned that after I gave um, birth to my daughter to one of the nurses and she was like, no, don't think that way. But I repeated what I, a cousin had told me. And I was asking, what is that? Like, am I going to go through that and, and whatnot? She was like, no, not everyone goes through postpartum depression and so forth. Thankfully, I did not. Um, but the self-care piece, as Precious was talking about, is immensely important. Um, taking care of yourself. I mean, me personally, I was drained of <laughs> my energy. Like I had mentioned before, I was pushing incorrectly. Um, but just taking care of yourself, having a strong support system, though, really does make a world of a difference. If I was by myself, I don't know what I would have done. But I had my family there to help me, uh, like my sister, my mom, my daughter's dad, friends. One of my girlfriends actually lived in the apartment downstairs. Um, and so she was upstairs, you know, back and forth, back and forth helping. Um, but having them there allowed me to also focus on myself and getting well. Um, so being able, if the baby's crying, um, like I said, she, she didn't latch on. So I was feeding her with the bottle, like my mom would feed her so I could take a shower. Um, and that, that, those simple things meant a lot. Um, just being able to, and I ended up actually getting sick after I gave birth because she wasn't breastfeeding. Um, I had got a fever and, and all kinds of sort of stuff. So I had no taste buds. So it was very hard to eat. Um, luckily, because my mom was there and her dad was there, they were able to help me with her so I can kind of try to get myself together. But um, that self-care piece is very important. The simple things of being able to take a shower or just like, having some alone time. It, it's very hard to do um, when a newborn is is there, uh, especially when working hours switch with you and the other parent or whoever your support system is. Um, there were, that lasted with the whole support part, maybe a good week or two. My mom took that time off um, to make sure she was there all the time, but when she had to go back to work, it was all me. 
and and hence why I rolled the bassinet into the bathroom <laughs> when I would take a shower. Um, so it changes their their levels. You really have to be very intentional about putting yourself as a priority, just as well as your child. Um, because if you're not well, they you can't you can't function at your full capacity to be present and to really do as much as you can because you're going to be drained. And I think that. You know, this all sounds good. We say it because now th these are the after parts, right? Like my daughter's 16. So I can, I talk in a different way than I would have been able to talk back when I was like 20. Um, but we live and we learn. And so for the next go around, um, my thought process is a lot different on how to really focus in on being a mommy and taking care of that baby, but also taking care of self um, along the way and not forgetting that I too need some rest and I too need to take a moment. Um, so yes, I'll, I'll end there for now. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you touched on lactation. Oh, oh, okay. You touched on lactation and I wanted to just share that um, being able to get into those showers and take, you know, to, to when you can soak, to soak in the tub is a part of allowing your body to relax so that the milk can, so that the milk ducts can be filled. Um, being able to sit down and have the appropriate teas. I know for, I know for me, um, fenugreek was an herb or tea that I used regularly to help support um, the production of milk. Um, but you have to make that time, right? So that becomes the challenge. You want to do these things and give these things to this new uh, human that you're responsible for, right? But um, you can't forget about the old human. <laughs> and it's funny also, Anushka, that um, we're kind of, kind of covering the spread because you were in your, your early 20s and I was in my mid-30s when I had my first child. So it's like a very, I would imagine, based on like looking at a lot of my friends that had children earlier in my family, um, it's a very different experience. I'm like one of the only people that I know that were in their mid to late thirties by the time they finished having children. Um, but I think that it helped me appreciate how important I was in the process, you know? Uh, yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Did you, uh, <clears throat> did you, you want to share something as well? No, I don't have any kids. <laughs> <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, willingly, you know, y'all willing one day. <laughs> but so, like the only thing that I can share is like, you know, well, this is what I heard, you know, and things like that. And so it's always interesting to hear from moms. And it's like, sometimes I feel like I'm like, I'm gonna grab a notebook. And I'm like, you know, like, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, but but the truth is, it's like whatever whatever your experience is gonna be is gonna be it's it's gonna be that because our bodies are all different, right? right? We all have different family histories and things like that. Like when it comes to PPD, postpartum depression, I was thinking, I was reading, you know, like one in seven women, you know, um, will you know um, succumb to postpartum depression. And some of the risk factors are like if you have a family history of mental illness, if you know sometimes having children like either really really young or in a, you know what they call geriatric pregnancies. 
So, um, you know, those are, those are some risk factors. There's others like support systems and things like that. Um, I would imagine that, you know, the support part is a big part of it, right? But then it's like, how are we thinking about what support should look like? Should it be you surrounded by women in your community or do people think like, oh, it should be my husband, right? Because when we're thinking about like families, you know, and, and sustaining them, like we have to, we can't just stop necessarily like working because most people are in situations where it's like I have to go to work to make income you know not everybody necessarily has the you know the type of job where they can take leave in that way um you know or for like that extended amount of time you know they if they don't work they don't get paid so how do we you know think about what that dynamic of support looks like you know so those have been some things like coming through my head like maybe it's cool to have you know, the women in your community surrounding you, you have all that feminine energy, you know, it's great to have dad. Um, at the same time, it's great to have like experienced moms around, you know, to kind of guide you through the process. So I thought that would be cool too, you know? I want to say like support system is, you know, the thing, it takes a village and a village it encompasses everybody, everybody. So your support system can be all of the above. It could be your family members, it could be women, it could be dad, it could be your friends. You know what I mean? It, it really does take a village and that is a diverse group. Um, it doesn't just have to be. I think it goes to um, what your preference is. And sometimes not even your preference, it's who's there that wants to be there, who wants to support. Because we don't get to necessarily choose the support. We may choose people that we want around us and at the end of the day, it may not turn out as we thought it would turn out to be. And people who we didn't even think of will show up for you. And so your village um, or your support system, you can try to, to tailor it as best as you can. And, and, you know, kudos if you have the ability to do that and people, you know, stick with that. But sometimes you, you got to go through the process and see, you know, who's going to be there and whatnot. And really, like, you just have to set your standards and your, your boundaries. Um, but I think for me, like, like precious now have, having a second child is going to be in my late thirties. So the experience is going to be a lot different. Um, who I want around me, I'm more in control of that now. Right. So I, I know what that looks like. Um, where I want to have the baby, how I want to have the baby, like all those choices that I had and didn't realize I do now. And so um, all that is going to be implemented, of course, with, with my partner. Um, so it, it definitely looks, I mean, differently. The conversations are definitely <laughs> different. Um, the planning is is different because now there's really a plan <laughs> in motion. Um, but it, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing. And these conversations are important to have because Deidre, I, I, I like that, you know, insert the thing that you, you said, you know, you hear things, but yeah, of course, insert them in this conversation because there's things that you probably heard and, and we're, we don't touch on, but because you mentioned it, we're able to touch on it. Like, oh yeah, that that's true. Let's talk about this too. Um, so everything is, is valuable from our experiences to what you've come across or what, you know, questions you may have, because others may have those same questions as well. Well, you know, the, I do have some questions. Maybe yeah. this is the interview to you guys. <laughs> so, Shoot. Um, <laughs> so, like, breastfeeding, right? Um, I have, and see, these are all anecdotal because I have not gone to look them up. 
Um, CC can be like in the field of public health and not know something. We don't know everything. Um, but this is why it's good to like, you know, deliberate on things like go find and research because that's a big part of public health too, like research and then deliberate. Um, mm -hmm. Breastfeeding and, um, you, know, you know, a lot of women, the snapback. So, um, and maybe that's something that is only for like younger, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's something that, that only younger mom's experience or like you know of course if you're if you have a certain body type right but breastfeeding can help the snapback um i remember watching family members breastfeed and it was like sort of painful like you feel it like in your um abdomen i guess like that's in the womb and it's like kind of contracting and coming back into size so like thoughts ladies come on let's hear. what you just said is accurate um there and and had I had this question in advance, I would have done some research to give the actual factual, but I'm going to give it from how it felt and what I remember from those mommy books so long ago. Um, yes, when you are nursing, and I think we might have touched on this in the first uh, maternal health session, but when you are nursing, um, I'll say when I nursed, uh, their dad uh, would actually said like make fun of me because he said I would like nod off but into like this deep coma like sleep but what I didn't realize until I did some research is that once so and I'm going to get to snap back because that is connected as well but nursing helps to release I don't want to say the wrong hormone I think it's dopamine um so maybe someone can fact check in yes but it releases it releases a hormone that yes 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 um, it releases a hormone that actually, like, during nursing, not only did my babies fall, like, deep asleep while still lactating, um, I would, like, nod out and just be, <laughs> like, slumped <laughs> over, passed out. Um, so it allows you to relax. Uh, that's one. Um, two, yes, it does. Is it dopamine? Did I get that? Is it? Uh, I think oxytocin. Okay, then that's it. Okay. <laughs> so we'll get into it. You keep going and explain from like what okay. you actually felt, and then sure. So then I know that it releases something that caused me to relax. It caused baby to not only be satiated because they were eating, um, but also what I found with my son is that um, he actually would stimulate the milk ducts. So he was like constantly like boxing my breasts while lactating to like bring down more milk because he's, he's, he's still a very much a muncher, even though he's very slim. But, um, the other piece is that, yes, when you're nursing, you feel your abdominal muscle, like you feel your uterus, not even the muscles, but your uterus, you feel it contracting as they're nursing. You feel that pull. It can feel a little, um, tense or intense at times, but it's actually what I guess, that snapback um, is is attributed to right. It's that it's that drawing back in. Um, but if we think about life cycle and when we're living naturally, right? And I don't even want to say organic because then our brains automatically go to food. But uh, what mm -hmm. I mean is that we're living in unison with our bodies and with our environment. What you find is that everything is designed to snap you back, right? So. I'm just going to get on my food soapbox for a moment. It's like if if what you eat 
is what you're designed to eat, you really wouldn't have a lot of challenges with maintaining health and vitality. I'm not even going to get into weight, but just health and vitality. So Mm -hmm. the same thing goes for your body. Um, Yeah, I'll I'll leave it there. So I can't wait to have these experiences. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Deidre. What'd you say? I said it is oxytocin, like that, like the relaxation. Um, it like causes the uterus and causes the uterus to contract and push out the baby. So that's the hormone that's being developed, and it comes from the pituitary gland. Mm-hmm. But you, I've also like heard like you know the baby being nearby. It is a I don't know what the the word is, but like it's kind of like the baby knows the milk is there, and your body also knows the baby is there, right? So yep. they're kind of yep. working together. It's like this unseen, right? And you know, it's the unseen. Yep. We also what else is unseen? You know, those greater powers. So like that unseen power that um, helps to stimulate the milk, and you know, I'm sure in in addition to the boxing, like come on, come on. <laughs> you know, get some more milk. Um, but that unseen force that that you know, creates that relationship between baby and, and food. And they smell you. I just want to say that as well. They, <laughs> they, they know when mommy's near. So <laughs> they perk up. <laughs> well, hopefully I'll have yeah. stories like this to share next go around <laughs> and can oh, chime okay. in okay. on the breastfeeding piece. So you- You know what, then I wanted to share, I wanted to just double back for a moment to share about community and women, um, because I touched on one of the women um, at that time. And I agree, Anushka, if you're not in a position to be intentional about or be born into, right, right culture and community, it is challenging and it is Mm -hmm. catch as catch can. And sometimes, um, dare I say, even the partner that um, you've been chosen to have a child with, you're kind of like, uh, this is not what I would have chosen, but life happens, right? So, right, so there's all of that, right? Um, but the thing about it is, I think, Deidre, you make a really good point as well. Um, having a community of women um, surrounding you who've gone through these experiences um, is invaluable, and while when I when I had my children, while I didn't have the the type of community that we're talking about right now, um, I did have women, elder women, who stepped up and stepped in. And I, I wanted to give another kind of shout out to another colleague of mine, um, an older nurse, um, a Nigerian nurse, and she was really really supportive of um, of me throughout my pregnancy, and. Um, and then my daughter was born and she traveled to Nigeria and she brought me back some fabric. No, she wasn't. My, I was I was still pregnant. She brought me back some fabric and she brought in a doll to work and she taught me how to wrap my baby. And I thought, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to be so trendy and so Afrocentric, right? Because that's God, my mind was. I just thought this <laughs> was going to be so nice. Let me tell you all, my daughter was the fussiest little lady And only wanted to be with me. If she wasn't like on my body, she was having a fit. And so the way I was able to get chores done was literally hunching over, getting her on my back, wrapping her up tight, as tight as I could get it, wrapping her up. And that's how I got my chores done. And then I would slide her around to the front and nurse her while washing dishes, while vacuuming. Um, 
So I have all of these pictures of like, perhaps I'll share one. Um, I have all of these pictures of like my baby just kind of attached to me. Um, That was her comfort. The moment I wrapped her up, she would just lay on my back and go to sleep. So, yeah. So, yeah, there, there's a lot, even though now at this stage in life, yes, I can't wait for someone in my community to have a baby. It'll be like, yes! Let me teach you. And we support you, and we got this, you know, because I think that that's, you, you don't want to be a burden when it's like you said, Anushka, it's that catches catch can. So you don't ask because right. you really didn't need to ask, right? We should know, all right go, go take a bath, like go, you know, go, go handle yourself, go, go, go take some time for yourself. Um, and we, unfortunately, because many of us have to work and have other commitments, you don't get to have that. So I think that is the true benefit to, um, having a community of women. So, yes, I want to, I want to, um, piggyback to, um, on some of that, the, the piece where you know we were talking about we were talking about the work and if we even some some of us don't have the luxury of taking time off out, outside of the maternity leave and so forth um i i was lucky enough to have the support system when i was younger to stay home with my daughter for a year uh, now that i'm older and planning on having more children um it's really i'm very intentional of how i set it up Right. Because I'm like, I, I, I don't have that luxury that I had before, but I have my own that I have created. And so being strategic about how do I do this? Because I want I want to have a year. I want to take a year and I don't want to be I don't want to feel that pressure like, oh, my God, I got to get back to work because I got to make this that third work. So what I started doing, I don't know. If, I don't think I mentioned it, but I started working on the month of December. Like um, it's a big month for me. So what I started to do was make sure that I'm not working that month. So for two years now, I've took vacation. I've worked out my days off around those holidays. So for instance, last year, I think I might have worked eight days in the month of December. And the year before was the same thing. This year, I was trying to do at least just four days. Um, But that's just to get my mind and my and, and start this trend. So when that time comes, I can know how to handle more you know, and, and make things work in my home life. Um, and sometimes we have to take the initiative to do that, um, to figure things out. If, if that's what we want to do and we have, we want to have a year off with our babies, because that first year is very imperative. Um, some of us can do it. Some of us can. And I think, I think there should be programs or some kind of support or resource to help parents be able to stay home a lot longer with their children, uh, with their newborns, um, because it's so important. Um, For me personally, you know, I can do the research and try to figure out the programs, but I'm also doing my part on my end, like, okay, if I can't find anything, if nothing comes up, what am I going to do, right? What is my partner going to do? How do we make this work? Because what I've learned, um, you know, is you know, working is good. We, we need to make the money, but at what cost? And and I'm at a stage where it's like, no, these things are way more important. Like my family life is way more important than me having to trek down to the office and do all these things. At the end of the day, I'm not a brain surgeon. So no one's going to be dying if I don't make it into my office. You know what I mean? So let me do what I need to do for mine. Because at the end of the day, that org is going to replace me if need be, but my family cannot. So I think we have to keep it in mind that 
if you want something, you have to go and get it, right? So if you, you want to stay home with your child longer than what they give you for maternity leave, then you have to do the work way before and try to set yourself up in a manner that you're going to be able to take that time. Um, and then I wanted to just mention about the teas. You were so right, Precious, because I'm from a Caribbean background as well. And so I don't know what kind of teas it was, but it was teas coming left and right. <laughs> and I, some of them weren't so tasteful, but hey, I didn't have any taste buds anyway. <laughs> no sense of taste. So I was just like chugging them. <laughs> it's just going to help. It, but it does, believe it or not, it does help. Um, and those good old natural remedies um, definitely, definitely, definitely help. And I'm so happy that you had, you know, the, these women, these elderly, these elders in your corner because um, I had some too. But here's the difference, though. I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know if it's just Guyanese women or Caribbean women, but all of them talk to you at one time. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Wait. And sometimes it can be contradicting. So for me, before I even gave birth, I, I was saying to my mom, I said, Ma, could you please tell everybody, like, I don't want all of this stuff coming at me, that's going to be the last thing on my mind and because I would get phone calls or they'd tell my mom. And then my mom was also one of those women too. <laughs> so I'm like, we're going to do certain things, but we can't do it all because some things I just don't agree with. And if I didn't agree, then I wasn't doing it. Right. Um, even some of the, um, what was it? Hold on a second. Even some of the traditional, well, not so traditional, but like the, what do you call it? Oh, my, I forgot the word. But, you know, those things where you can't come in the house after a certain period of time. Um, someone told me uh, my daughter's. Yes. Superstitions. Well, someone told me my um, my daughter's dad couldn't see her until three months. And I was like, yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> He's not going to, you know. So I loved the fact that I had that. But then it it also overwhelmed me because everyone had different perspectives and different um, advice. And it was like I had to really choose what I wanted to do um, and be very clear, like, you know, I appreciate all this advice, but I have to do things my way as well. And I have to live and learn. Um, and I was already a little non-traditional anyhow. Um, so I said, I got to do what's best for us. Um, and But I appreciate everything that you're saying, and I appreciate everything you're giving, but I got I got to do this, right? Um, yeah. So I just want to say that, like, because our village, our village, our support system can be so different and, and, so, and they mean well, but it can be overwhelming. Yeah. I think, you know, it's interesting you talk about the three months because at, at, and I think what you do is really um, it leans on what culture you follow, because there are some cultures where three months is the standard because there is a the but it, it's it's a it's a piece of a larger um, way of movement. Right. And so, oh, no, did we lose you? I think your camera went off. Well, I think you can still hear. You're still here, but the camera went off. But I'll keep going. So, like the the, the three months is a larger piece of something, is a small is a piece of something larger. And um, like in some cultures, when um, in Hebrew cultures, um, you know, the woman is considered when there's issue an issue meaning blood or fluid coming from the body, the woman is considered unclean and not from like ew you dirty, but like it's also a sacred time. So we should be separated, you know, from. Um, the household, you know, everyone else, you know, that time is, you know, when you are, it's your sacred time. So, and then um, there's a piece of like childbirth that also goes with that because there are like fluids and issue coming from the body. And so when, it, and there, um, there's like, uh, I don't want to say math, but maybe it is math, like the, t the amount of time 
that the the man has to spend a part or the woman has to spend a part from the man. And so I think, um, and we'll probably do something on this uh, at on ALGM, but um, there's amount of time that you have to spend a part depending on whether on the gender of the baby, whether you have a boy or a girl. And three months, I feel like sounds about right, if I'm not mistaken, because I feel like we looked this up. Um, and we can maybe even have a show about that later or whatever. But, um, you know, for, so for some people, it, it doesn't come from nowhere, you know, right? So it's interesting because you're talking about Caribbean cultures, right? But when we think about Caribbean people and like how people ended up from the East over in the, over here in the West and transatlantic slave trade, and even before then, how people navigated the world because, you know, um, people were traveling before Magellan. I'll just say it like that. Melanated people. Okay. So, um, you know, these traditions come with them, you know, their, their, their practices, their culture and their way of life comes with them. So when we hear about these things, and yes, I use the word superstition, sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's old pieces of culture that traveled and maybe lost some of the interpretations and meanings down the line and along the way. So like, mm -hmm. in, actually, the three months is actually not from nowhere. So, yeah, no, I, and I agree. You but know what? That was right on time. Sorry. No, I, I agree with Deidre. I was just heard my daughter's dad. He's he was born here. His his family's from the South. Right. So culturally, this is not what they're used to. So I had I wanted to be fair. Um, and again, like you said, sometimes the traditions came, but like the the explanation kind of fell apart, you know, giving the content of like what this is, why we practice it. And my mom is Hindu. My dad is Christian. And so in my household, we had two different religions, different things. And so for my mom, she was big in her religion. And so when my daughter was born, she called, she called up the priest is called a pundit in, in Hinduism. And they opened the book, which is the holy book. And like uh, astrology would tell you like, well, this is the day she was born. This is the time. And that dictated all the things that needed to happen um, for it, for everything to be prosperous and everyone to be in good health, myself and my daughter, especially her. And so I was just like, okay, well, let's not do too much because if this is not his culture and he's not used to this, I understand it, but I don't even practice the religion. I took after my dad and practice uh, Christianity. So, but, but for my mom to respect her perspective, I allowed her to do that, but I had to say, we won't be able to do everything. So we have to keep that in mind. And by you even inquiring, does that put us in jeopardy in any type of way? You know what I mean? Um, so that, that, that's why I, I had to really draw back from all the things <laughs> that I was being told I had to do and all this other stuff, because I had to set boundaries as well. And our, our daughter, I didn't want her to be caught in the middle. And then I'm like, I didn't want to take anything also away from her dad, because this is his moment as well, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's, yeah. you know, we, we should take the, the other parent into consideration, and that's where we have to, like, this is where it gets difficult, right? Like, and this is how I'm thinking, like, what I would want for my household to make sure that we're all on, like, one accord so you don't have to feel torn, right? Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, Precious, go ahead. You were going to say something. <laughs> oh, no, no, this is good. This is good. It's like my thoughts are, like, coming <laughs> out of y'all's mouths. That's pretty cool. Um yeah, I, hmm, I wrote a few things down. So it's like the idea of culture, right? Or sometimes when we have different cultures or cross cultures coming together, 
um, what you described, Anishka, and even what I experienced, and pretty much the, the majority, right, of us, particularly here in, in America, this is what we experience because we don't have uh, a footing in what culture really is, right? So we, we get together and it's like, well, my family does this and your family does that. And sometimes it's not as, you know, as, as clearly varied, right? Like your, your, her dad being from down South and you having um, your family's background. Sometimes it's, New York, you know, I'm in Brooklyn and it, you're in the Bronx and we just do things differently and our families do things differently um, based on, you know, being Northerners and Southern or whatever. Um, but I, but the, the key, I think, is, is, is being intentional because when you're being intentional, then it's like, okay, this is like something I'm sure you're you're planning because I could hear that, you know, a baby's a coming in the next, you know, year or so. Um, but and I'm sure what you're doing is planning, like you spoke about your how you're planning your time to make sure that you can create pockets of time. But also I'm sure you're discussing these sort of cultural decisions with your partner, um, which is, you know, as close as one can get if you're not you know entering into union with someone who you share a culture with um so i think it's all really really important to have younger women consider right consider the value of being mated consider the value of knowing this is how we do things um and just to kind of dovetail back to the idea of that sacred time um and the separation from uh, uh, a man during the time of postpartum, um, there is, that's another reason why it's so valuable to have the elder women around in, in those cultures and Hebrew cultures and other cultures where that is abided yeah. by, because that is your support system at that time. Mm-hmm. And so obviously it can't just be women who are going to be giving you di- divergent information, right? Their information has to be on one accord. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah, you can't take a bath. No, you can't take a bath. You know, no, you can't go outside. Yes, you can. They, they, you know, they have had to either live it or understand. Right, right, right. Either they should have lived it or have come to an agreement that this is how we should have lived it, right? So let's encourage um, you to have the opportunity to actually walk that walk so that when your daughter comes into this like understanding they'll know ain't no question no mm-hmm. dad you will not be there for three months and this is the reason why and this is why it's designed that way or he'll actually already know that right because he would have come up in that culture um so that idea of having the opportunity to take a season to regenerate which is what happens every three months right even from we were talking about mathematics teacher but that, that's that life cycle, right? That's the knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. It, it comes in those threes, right? That's why most in most number systems, it ends at the nine because that's, mm-hmm. that, that's, that's three cycles and then you come back around again. Um, so yeah, just there's some things. And it's interesting. We spoke so much about postpartum and really didn't get into depression at all. And, and I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. What I want to say is much like many, you know, as um, someone who's been in behavioral health for almost 20 years now, 
there's lots of data that supports that while, you know, while our food and our air quality and our water quality and our environment degrades, um, so does our mental health. So I want to acknowledge that. Um, I also want to acknowledge that we also know that that people of color in particular are misdiagnosed and overdiagnosed and, and kind of generalized very, very often. So while I won't touch on postpartum depression, I do want to touch on and encourage women to research um, mommy blues, because sometimes you're experiencing changes in your hormones and shifts. And, you know, when you're experiencing those while you're gestating, you're not told that you're depressed. You're not told that, you know, you have some sort of psychosis. It's like, oh, yeah, you're hormonal because you're pregnant and this is a part of the beauty, right? There's a glow and then there's also pregnancy brain. And there's no clinical, at least I'm not familiar with like a clinical diagnosis, but things just are going out the brain because you've got other things that you're thinking about. The same can be said for simply understanding mommy blues and, and recognizing that everything doesn't lead to postpartum depression. Um, Yeah. <laughs> do, do they also call it baby blues? Like, so for those, because you know, yes. sometimes different names for everything. That's and like, it. so somebody will hear mommy blues and be like, oh, what's that? You know? <laughs> so it's like, just for and like, it folks, might be baby blues. I may look, I may have to look it up. I may be saying the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, but it's happening to the mom. So why can't we call it mommy blues? But it could be baby blues as well. And it's just, um, I think it's like you said, it's like the hormonal fluctuations following childbirth, but it's not necessarily PPD, postpartum depression. So those are also things to to understand because, you know, people will maybe experience, women, I should say, will experience these things post-childbirth and be like, I, I suffered from postpartum depression. But really, it could have just been like you were, you know, figuring out like your hormonal levels and you know you can chat with your doctor doula midwife you know about a lot of those things um so yeah also and i wanted to is baby blues part oh, of me. Okay. i'm like is that the same thing <laughs> i wanted to um add something too because as moms we set this expectation of ourselves no matter what stage we're in um that we got to get it done we got to it's all about the baby. And we often just put ourselves on the back burner. And I think we touched on this before. But um, to the new moms, right? For, for me, I just want to say this. Like, don't overwork yourself. Don't set these expectations and put additional pr- pressures on yourself. Because then you're going to deplete. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to burn yourself out. And quite often I see this happening, even to myself speaking, even though I was younger, it was like, no, it's all about the baby. I have to get up and I have to do this and I have to, and I literally put myself last. Um, I try to balance it. it. It can be hard. You know, everything is not this, we're having a conversation, but our children are, are older. So we have learned along the way um, and we have passed that stage, but there are, there are women who are in this stage in this present moment um, and I just wanted to open, you know, open this piece to say that, you know, give yourself some grace. You know, you can't do it all at the same time. You're still just one person. And we all like to say we're superwoman. But honestly, I can't wait to strip myself of that S. You know, I don't want to be superwoman or super mom. I want to be mom or woman. 
that's it, you know? Um, and I had to really learn to give myself grace to say, I'm, I'm, a mo- I'm a mother, but I'm also a woman, you know, I'm also Anushka and give myself time to, to focus on some self-care and do all I can for my, for my baby, but also not be scared to ask for some help. And being from the Caribbean, being a West Indian woman, we're very prideful and no one wants to ask for help because you don't want to seem like you're, you're less than or you can't do something. Um, and sometimes that's all in our head or we've been raised to say, well, don't ask me, can you do it? Because people are going to say yada, yada, yada. That's not always true. Right. Sometimes we have to say that's that's not true, you know, um, and, and ask. Uh, you'd be surprised uh, of the folks that really do want to be there for you. But because you're not opening up, they don't know and they want to respect the boundaries. Right. They want to respect your decision. So they're not going to push. But in all reality, you're like, I wish I could get some help. And again, you're too prideful to ask. So don't don't overwhelm yourself unnecessarily. Try to to. Embrace your village, embrace your support system, um, and be be realistic about the expectations that you set on yourselves um, and your partners as well um, to work together and to uh, and and work out a way where both both parents are are there to, to pick up where the other one lacks or to give one a break. And if you have a larger support system, infiltrate all of that into it as well. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, you said, you know, when we talk about giving grace, you know, it's never good um, to operate at a deficit, right? Because right. you're a danger to yourself and you're a danger to those who you're trying to help. It's like, it's like the, the idea of um, um, poverty, you know, it's never good to operate from, you know, that that space, you know, and yeah, when you're, you're operating sometimes like at a deficit, like, you know, it's like survival mode comes out, which is like really primal. And that's what keeps us alive. Right. But it keeps you, you then, then what are you creating with yourself? Then you, then that becomes long-term that you pass on. Like you're always operating from this stress, you know, Mm -hmm. mindset. I gotta, I gotta get here. Gotta get, you know, it's, it's never from a place of, um, it, or it, it gets to the point where it's never from a place of um, planning and, and this is how we, you know, this is how we do things, you know, so that you're not stressed. It's like, this is my way of life. But 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 moving from this, like, oh, my God, I got to get done. I got to survive. You know, that's never a good thing to have in long term because that's just operating from that stress. And when you constantly are operating from that stress mode, it can shut down your body, you know, mm-hmm. because it. it body thinks it's it's sick so then you it it plays with your immune system it can go even into like your brain function so it's just never good to operate from that deficit and then set the body into stress mode you know i don't want to lose this thought i want to just chime into that um some of and sometimes some of us don't have an option but to stay on that mentality i gotta get this done i gotta get that done it's like it's, it's no other option but that and that that is fine if that's where the stage you're at in your life. However, nothing lasts forever. And so you may be at that point right now where it's, I got to get this done. I got to get it. You know, there is nobody else. If I don't do it, it don't get done. If I don't take care of this child, they will not be taken care of. If we don't survive, if I don't make it, then we cannot survive. That does not last forever. And so even though you might be in a stage in life that way, you have to always think bigger and think of the bigger picture. Like I've that's been something that I always say, there's always a bigger picture and the grass. Um, and there's always a better side of everything. And really you have to put things in perspective and, and tell yourself that on a daily basis, while you're hustling and grinding and doing all these things, 
because you want to be able to, when the time does change and that season has passed, to then be able to say, okay, I can I I gotta shift a little, right? Just like and think about it. If we're if you're a mom, especially as your child grows, your mentality changes because you now you can't if they're going from being infants to toddlers and adolescents and so forth, we change and we develop with them because now we have to suit the way we we raise them has to change and, and how they grow. So we're not still gonna treat them like infants at the age of 10, because that doesn't make sense, right? We can't support them accordingly. Same thing for us. If we are, if we're sitting here like I got to do this and I got to do that, understand that that does not last forever. And when it comes time to change, be able to embrace that. And at that point, give yourself the grace to say, you know what? I don't have to hustle and bustle like this. I don't have to overwhelm myself. I now have the ability and the capacity to be a little bit more at ease and then, you know, and change as, 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 as things change in my life, as circumstances change, um, Sometimes we get too caught up with the with the busyness and the I got to do this, I got to do that, that we have now embraced that to an extent where it's so hard to break out of it. And people take pride in that, in, in saying, I'm exhausted, I'm overworked and, you know, I'll sleep when I die. No, that's not what life is about. Life is about living, making memories, enjoying it. Yes, we, we want to work to stay alive, but we don't want to work and let that be our grand scheme of things. That's not the purpose. The purpose is work so you can build a life and you can have comfortability and so forth. Um, but you want to you want to enjoy you want to enjoy your friends, your family, your loved ones. You want to enjoy yourself. Um, and so we have to be open to that. But um, like I said, some of us have to do it. I, at one one point in my life, I was that person. Um, and I kept telling myself, there's a better day. There's a better day. This is not going to last forever. Like, you know, being down and out is not going to be forever. And now I think about those days and I'm like, whew, like I remember, you know, and I, I just posted it on my social media, like, I rem- I- I'm so grateful for the troubles and the worries I no longer have because that was a stage and I had to go through that and I had to be that for myself and my daughter. Um, but now I'm able to have some, you know, some of that peeled back. Um, but I had to be open to changing the way my mind frame worked as well. So I just yeah. wanted to add that. Yeah. I get caught on that mode constantly. Like, you <laughs> know, like I'm, I'm going, I'm going. At the- Yet the truth is, like, we should have the same amount of time that we that we put out for work. We should have an equal amount of time for play or rest and relaxation. Like, you know, because balance is everything. So, you know, that 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 same um, ideal should be pushed toward or or should be, you know, kind of utilized. That same concept should be utilized when we're talking about like um, postpartum. Um, cause I don't want to like stick on the, 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 the mental health part, you know, even though it is a big deal, like, because it, it happens to a lot of women, but I do want to just kind of like push forward to other things. Like, and also just side note, this is the episode where, you know, we do invite people. I just want to say it again, inviting people to come on live. If you are interested, you know, DM true health live. I've been checking. So that's why I'm like looking down and up and all around, um, DM. I send an email and I'll get you the link so you can come and share your story or you can text me if you know me personally. You can just, just uh, send me a text message. So I'm just keeping a lookout for folks who are coming on and want to share. But in the meantime, and don't think that you have to like, you know, oh, I have to talk about what you're talking about now. Share whatever your story is. 
but we talked about lactation. We kind of pushed through like um, parts of like hormonal changes and how that leads to like mental health um, issues, postpartum or postpartum depression. But there's other things, you know. What about and 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 maybe I I don't think these things are are disgusting to talk about, but I do recognize that it could be like really personal. Um, so let's we can make it as objective as uh, we can instead of subjective. But I'm, I was always curious about like um, the return of menses post pregnancy because you know you'll as women we'll get used to not having um, the period as the women who have been pregnant we'll get used to not having a period for you know how 40, 30, 38 to forty weeks or whatever. Um, so then what happens afterwards? Like how soon does the menses return? Like this, you know, for women who are new mothers or currently pregnant and like kind of looking for that information. What can you share with that? If you want to be subjective, that's totally fine. But, you know, we can yeah. be like very like, well, this is what happened. <laughs> I want to tell people like, you know, we want to do like the true story of what happened to you, you know, but we can be objective. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We can make it really objective. And I think we'll start by, um, it's been a minute, right? Eight and 11. And I know for Anushka 16. But I think the question, I think that the reality is actually the inverse of your question, right? It It is how long um, does it take before the, the menses ends? So and it's not really menses, it's just, you know, the clearing out, right? So as soon as you have, whether you have a vaginal delivery or a cesarean section, um, you will be uh, experiencing your menses from that moment. Um, and then the usually that's for about the four to six week period before you go back to, or time frame, just to not mix up words, time frame before you go, you know, and have your, your, your next checkup, right? No, well, not even your cycle. So it's kind of like, that's like the clearing out of your womb, right? Space postpartum. Um, and then from there, the question is how long before you get back into your normal cycle? Um, I don't remember, but my gut is telling me it's the, that three month period before things get back into the cycle of whatever your new flow will be. Right. So that, that's the way I recall it. Um, and I, and I'm almost remembering that because of the really gigantic pillow like size, um, pads that they give you in the hospital. <laughs> I still, it's like, what is this a pillow? You, I mean, I just you come to and you know you're not fully out of it but you're kind of out of it and it's like what is this thing could no one give me my proper products out of my bag um but yeah that that's how that goes and and correct me if I'm wrong if you remember differently Anushka that that part of my brain is kind of old now (laughs) no I'm I'm like yeah I don't remember one thing I remember for one my my cycle has always been out of loop always um so I I was just like uh this is normal. But no, the, the I bled for about like the four, four to six weeks. But then I didn't get my cycle back till a year, almost a year later. And I was so nervous about that. I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? Even though I knew my cycle was a little wacky, but I went to my um to my OBGYN and I'm like, it hasn't come. What's what's going on? Like, is everything all right? So he did a thorough checkup. I was fine. Um, he gave me something to bring it down. Um, and it, it it just came down. But um, I think everyone is different 
the body is so different. Um, and so really it depends on your history, right? Um, on your medical history, what, what's going on with you prior to being pregnant, prior to giving birth. Um, and I think I had shared this because before I got pregnant, um, I had cysts in my, in, in my ovaries. And I also, my um, pap had came back abnormal. And I ended up like, I got the results, say, maybe a week or two prior to finding out I was pregnant. And my doctor was like, well, okay, we don't want to do any kind of like biopsies and things like that because you're pregnant. Um, so I waited. He told me, he advised me to wait till after uh, I gave birth. But once I gave birth and I went for my six-week checkup, there was no cysts in my system. My pap came back normal. And ever since, nothing. So my daughter literally was like she came for a purpose <laughs> more more than one <laughs> actually um but i haven't had you know any cysts and i had my paps have been normal since i gave birth and then also um even though with the period you know and the cycle just the cycle just being off it took me a while even uh, like when i got older it was still a little off now it's fine um, but I, I guess that's just my body. And there was no real explanation, no matter how many questions I asked. I even went to other doctors to get other opinions. And they were like, yeah, you're, you're fine. Everything's good. But um, your, your cycle is just a little off. And it, and it happens. They had put me on birth control, but I don't like that. I don't like the birth control and all the side effects and things like that. I, I just didn't want to be on it. So I just stopped using that because that's what would regulate the cycles for me to get them normal. But then um, um, there's all these other things that I was facing and I just decided, no, this is not for me. Um, but really, I think it's teaches his own and you have to really, you know, just have these conversations with your with your physicians um, about your own personal body and your per personal medical history. What could cause this and what could cause that? Is it anything to be worried about? And don't be afraid to get second opinions, third opinions, if need be. You just never know. Because what one doctor misses, another may not. And another one may even find, you know, you just never know. And I always believe, like, people run to doctors and say, like, well, this is it. They know everything. No, they're human, too. And so they're trained, but they can miss something. Or maybe they, another one has a different technique and can figure something out or, or knows of something you just never know. So it doesn't hurt to have multiple opinions and um, until you, you, you figure things out. Yeah. Something keeps coming to mind, and I'm sorry, sister teacher, something keeps, the idea of listening to your body, right? And I wrote it down and I'm like, I didn't say it for a while, and I, I realized why. So listen to your body means that you actually have ears to hear what your body's communicating. So before we can even say something like, well, listen to your body, right? I know, um, Anushka, you spoke to um, seasons, right? And, and knowing when to shift, right? Knowing that this season will end. Um, but I think so many of us get stuck in the routine of, I got to do it, I got to do it. I have to have that S on my chest, which... Yeah, I think that that is problematic for most of us. And our body shows that in time um, that before you can even listen to your body, you have to actually get to know thyself mm -hmm. and then you can appreciate um, what's being said and how you can move and shift and morph to really allow your body to lead you.
because that's not just listening to your body. That's listening to what's going on to, with your connection to your creator, right? Um, so it is, that's that holistic cycle. Um, but sometimes we get stuck in the body and we don't even understand what's happening there, what the messages are. Um, and what made me think of that is just when you shared, you know, your, your cycle experience. Um, and of course, I don't know the timing of it, but the fact that you also said you were that got to get it done woman. And then I thought, wow, how many women are so focused on getting it done that even their body, they're telling their body, we don't have time for this. We don't, I ain't got time for a cycle. So we got to get it done. And you begin to turn things off within yourself. And no doctor can tell you that, right? But Mm -hmm. when you get that balance that that you and Deidre touched on, guess what? It's back because your body's like, oh, finally. Finally, (laughs) I can do these things, right? Um, And for those of us who are in I've been trying, like, you just ain't listening. (laughs) Right, right. That makes so much sense, Precious, because if that's the case, then I guess I I just started a few years ago. Because as I said, later on in life, I might have been when I was in my 30s that it started, like when I just turned 30. And it took such a long time. But but you're so right. You're like that. that I love that point um, that we're so on the go that we turn things off. And it makes you really think like, wow, because that, that goes to show like when we're stressed, how we how we move. And like if we consume things that are bad for us, how it all it's a trickle down effect. Right. So if we're always hustling and bustling on the move. We're telling our bodies, no, don't do this, but it needs to do this, right? And you're right, like you have to be one with self. You have to be able to sit still and be centered in order to know what your body's saying. Because if you're so busy and so on the move, when do you have time to listen? You don't. You probably don't listen to people. So you're not gonna listen to, you know, to a higher being because you're still your mind is so like on the move. Your body is going along with that. And so that was a very legit point. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something about like, you know, shutting your body off. Um, but it literally just like ran away from my mind. But it's like, I'll go back to what you said, Anushka, like with your daughter coming from a purpose. Yeah, she was kind of like, all right, come with me, guys. You don't belong here anymore. I'm here. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of that, you know, probably flushed out with the with the cleansing, right? With the wound cleaning itself. Um, mm-hmm. And because you know your body's going through hormonal changes when you're pregnant too so all of those things may have shifted what was mm-hmm. happening um and oh what i was going to say was um you know when when people are involved or when you know there's always human error is sometimes inevitable is we're not gonna be no one is exempt from human error so like when you were talking about like um you know getting second third and you know fourth opinion if you have to or you know it's the truth. Um, and then I, I went into thinking, like, you know, as you're listening to, you know, the doctors and, like, what they have to say, um, and you made the decision to come off the birth control, question for you, you know, because now I want to go back to all of the, the remedies, right, to the elders, to the elder women who were, like, all corralling, like, you know, telling you, like, this is what you should do, and the baby's coming, and the baby's here. Did you go back to any of those teeth? You know, so now I'm going to move into like from like, you know, finding that balance between modern medicine and alternative medicine, which is really mm-hmm. like the homeopathic, you know, the natural, the natural remedies and things that that do work. Let's just be, mm-hmm. let's be, maybe it can't, 
you know, you can't drink a tea and all of a sudden a gaping hole closes. No, you need right. modern medicine for that. But for mm-hmm. something a lot more than we think, the, the natural medicine and natural remedies are effective. So mm-hmm. like the question to do go back to any of those bitter teas. Um, cause as you were talking, I was thinking like, oh, well, you know, red clover, you know, cause sometimes that, that helps with, um, you know, stimulating like estrogen. So like, you know, a lot of times like, um, in the natural medicine field, women who are going through menopause, like, you know, it's because the estrogen levels are depleting. So the red clover helps to like boost estrogen levels and things mm-hmm. like that. So, but that also means that, you know, for women who are, who are not in menopause, it could be a little detrimental, you know, if you take it in too many, too many, um, too much, too high of um, content or, uh, you know, levels. But um, it will also kind of help do things with the menses as well. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, to, to maybe stop or bring it on, like, depending. But you have to, like, know, like, your body and also know, like, the chemistry because chemistry is involved. You have to know alchemy. You have to know, you know, the science behind these things and the, the amount that you need. So that was just a question. Not the science part, but, like, you know, yeah. about the teeth. Yeah. Well, I never stopped drinking teas um, because it's just part of our, our culture. Like either in the morning or at night, it was tea and some biscuits or tea and bread. right? Um, so I always had, but that was just like regular tea that I could stand. Um, when I stopped, uh, my mom would have teas from Guyana, like roots and things like that. And she would make them for me or she'd give me some and I'll like boil them. They weren't very good. Um, I didn't put sugar, but I said, I chugged it. I'm like, well, it's going to help. So <laughs> I just chugged it. And some things I think it's mind over matter. Like it may not be so great, but it's like, take it. You either take this or, you know, you're going to face these problems. And so for me, I was just like, all right, I'll, you know, hold my breath and drink it or whatever the case might be. But I, I, I still had to do what I had to do because I wasn't taking the, you know, the Western medicine. And what really pushed me to stop as well my cousin ended up having a tumor from birth control and it was life or death. And she was young. Um, She's older than I am, but she was still young at the time. And I was just like, oh my goodness. And they were like, yeah, it traced back to the birth control. So that right there put solidified. Okay. Yeah, no, we're not going to do this at all. Um, So I did shift and I still practice some of the holistic, the, um, you know, holistic remedies and things like that. Um, The teas, the, the garlic stuff, uh, all the West Indian stuff that I grew up on. And then my partner, um, his family is from Haiti. So his mom has introduced me to some other kind of teas and other kind of remedies and him himself. So I just incorporate that with the things that I know. Um, and I'm like, all right, we good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> so like, if we're like, we're not feeling well, I'm like, I go to this one tea that when I wasn't feeling well a few months ago, on a good day, it was bad, but because I didn't have any tastes and I was just like, I was just so totally sick. I drank it like it was nothing, but it helped me so much. And we we joke about it now. We're like, okay, we got to get this tea. Be like, eh, but all right, let's. If you have a little cold or something, the tea's right there. Go boil it, <laughs> drink it. So it's just like you know, some things you you may not like. It may you know discomfort because you are the taste, but. If you want it to hit naturally, you want to get a natural medicine, then yeah, you just you got to do it what you got to do. And if you're a person that like we've been talking about this whole episode, you know, you got to do what you got to do type of person and 
then that's one thing you got to do, right? So you just add it on. It, it shouldn't be that hard. But um, yeah, I did. I did go back to some of the natural things that um, that my mom or like some of the aunties had mentioned to me. I said, well, this is better. Um, I, it's safer in my opinion, and so I rather do this than to do the other things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, yeah. like, um, I- like in my youth, I had like an issue, and. Um, the gyno decided, okay, well, you know, take these birth controls for this amount of time. And I was not on birth control. And they were like, oh, do this. And, I'm, and you know, of course, I'm like, okay, I'll do it. But I'm, I'm not good at regimens that I've shared with some of my sisters. <laughs> it's like, it's just like, I don't even like this. I was like, you, and it's kind of like, I can't do this. Like, I, what side effects are going to happen? But I also, you know, I didn't come up using or knowing about natural remedies that just wasn't something that I was brought up around and I had to learn that later in life and you know now I'm like you know regular like years mm-hmm. like decides like make a surprise you know like maybe a few days early <laughs> she's like I don't want to be at the end of the month anymore let's be at the top of the month <laughs> that, that was like me and you're not supposed to be here right now <laughs> but you know every month you know, like mm-hmm. clockwork. So it, it and so and I think I had come in, I had to come into that. Like you know, my body was like, listen, we got to turn on. You can't be, you know, doing your thing on the run all the time. You have to. Okay. So so you you sit down, and I'm gonna do what I need to do. Right, right. And you know what? Also, I had to be on birth control at a very young age because my cycle was so out of whack. Like I wouldn't get my period. So to regulate it, they put me on birth control and that helped regulate it. But when I finally took that break from it, I felt so much better. I was like, I didn't need this. And like I said, my period started coming normally because I slowed down, you know, because I wasn't like moving and taking on so much. So I think those stress the stress and the pressures um, also contributed to the period being like, you know, not coming on time or coming whenever it did or coming multiple times. That was scary for me. Like, why am I getting it multiple times a month? <laughs> like this wasn't, um, you know, it, it wasn't, I wasn't used to it. Um, but yeah, getting off of it was a good decision for myself. You know, I think the idea of, um, and we touched on it before, but homeopathy versus allopathic medicine, right? And the balance, how important that balance is, um, is something that every person, not just woman, but every person who will hear this podcast or see this video, really, really think about it. Because, you know, Anushka, I too experienced at a really young, in my 20s, um, all sorts of of very interesting medical advice. Um, and and you have to be thankful for those elders who go to the bush um, because they'll vehemently disagree and tell you, no, all you need is X, Y, Z. Did I listen? Not always, not mostly, because I thought the doctor knew best until my body said, ain't no way, ain't no mm-hmm. way. Um, just to kind of bring it back to maternal health, I remember, um, and I've already, I believe I've already shared, I've had challenges with fibroids since my early 20s. Um, and I remember being in a grad, my graduate program and my OB, an, an older European cigarette smoking, like you could smell the cigarettes on him, 
tall, raspy. This he was the epitome of you're the expert, right? <laughs> Textbook. <laughs> um, he looks. He says, mm, "You better either." And he didn't say poop. He said the S word or get off the pot because you're not going to have your womb for very long. And I just thought, that's not true. You know, like, (laughs) I'm not going to have children at 22 just because you tell me this, you know. But then I remember being in my 30s pregnant with my daughter and having one of my first mammograms, uh, not mammograms, sonograms. And the first tech gets another tech. The other tech gets someone else. And then they start giving me medical advice and telling me how high risk my pregnancy would be because of these tumors that I had. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm trusting that this is going to happen perfectly. Mm -hmm. And while my daughter didn't like sweep everything out with her, um, as you experienced Anushka, yeah. I was actually in position to have a vaginal delivery and my OB's thing was your daughter just moved everything that was in the way out of the way to clear a path for herself. And till this day when she like <laughs> straights me, that's her nature. Like I'm going to get, I'm going to find a way to get this done. Like if mommy said <laughs> she's not doing it, I'm going to see if grandma can help me do it. She's like, so could you assist me with this? Because mommy, and I'm like, yeah, that's that fighter. Like, I can't even be mad at it because mm-hmm. you know, that's that problem solver in her. Um, but yeah, just the idea of allopathic versus homeo- homeopathy, right? Just how you can create a balance in your own journey. Um, I don't want to, yes, I use herbs all the time, but I'm not an herbalist. So I don't want to give any or offer anything, but definitely research for yourself and, and talk to your elders because no matter what your background is I'm pretty sure when, if you're a person of color in particular um, and for many that just have other roots you have indigenous knowledge you know someone in your bloodline knows how to use what's around you so mm-hmm. you have to go through. this was a really phenomenal discussion yeah. and like you said precious on the last piece um, someone around you knows how to use what's around us we do that back home. I always have this conversation. It always comes up like, well, how do people survive back in Guyana? Because they ain't got no medicine like this, right? They don't have the technology, none of that. Even to this present day, I'm like, we get sick when we come up here. We deal with all that stuff when we come up here. Um, because I think about my grandparents and their parents, and, and I'm like, these people were having babies. Like these women are having babies with no epidural, no no medication, right? Natural, natural. Getting if they had to have a C-section, all this stuff was being sold, they sold back up with no, you know, nothing to numb them or anything like that. Um, even like you know, all these other d- different issues that we deal with. So it's like it can be done because it's been proven from the past and present, and it's probably going to continue because there are countries that are not as advanced as the U.S. and all these other big you know countries as China and so forth, and the people are surviving. You know, they're they're healthy. You know, they have nutri- um, nutritional. Um, nutrition around them in their natural foods and the way they're planting and, and harvesting. Um, people's hair is growing, luxurious, natural shine, right? We don't have to put all these chemicals in it. So it can be done um, and it's being done in other lands. So it's like, 
maybe instead of trying to get others to adapt to us here in the States or in Western, um, we need to adapt to theirs and take in consideration what others are doing in the natural way. Um, so we can have less of all these issues happening here. But you're so right, because people are looking around them and making things work with the natural products we have straight from the earth. And so it can be done. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I was going to say there was one other thing I wanted to talk about before we depart. But this was right. This was really good. <laughs> we have so much more to talk about. Yes. Well, well, okay. So, like, maybe we can close it off with, like, what about healing, right? Because um, and that's whether you've had vaginal or C-section. Um, and I think the two of you both shared, like, um, Anushka, you had vaginal, correct? Yes. And mm -hmm. you had C-section. Yes. So maybe we can, you know, talk about, like, experiences in healing. And, again, it's always, it's going to be different. Some people will largely experience you know, similar, um, but you know, there's always outliers and like little differences that we all experience. But like, you know, what about some of your experiences healing from both those perspectives, from both of those um, methods, birthing methods, both vaginally and through uh, cesarean? So I, I'll go first just because I, you know, the C-section healing process is so much longer. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I, I don't, I don't, I want to say maybe more painful. I'm not really sure because I don't, I don't have a frame of reference, right, of vaginal mm -hmm. delivery. Um, but in comparing my first delivery to my second, some of the things that uh, any woman, and, and I would say any woman who is um, preparing for delivery should have is a, um, gosh, I don't remember. I'm going to call it a belly band because I don't remember the formal name. But it was a band. It's a stretchy elastic band. Um, it's medic medical grade. Um, when you have a C-section, if you're if you have it in, sometimes it's given to you, but you should purchase your own. Um, there, these belly bands. You pretty much wrap your belly right, right. Literally, the moment I was in my my bed in my room. I laid the band down and it has Velcro and you pretty much just tighten it to your, your stomach. Um, this helps one to pull everything back in Two, the pressure um, lessens the pain for me substantially. Um, I think I shared that I, I kept my children in the room with me. And so it, it, it allowed me to kind of get up and move around because that area was held tight um, and secure. Um, my, my OB also agreed that it helps with the healing process, um, as well. Of course, you know, with a C-section, you do have, um, dissolvable sutures. Um, and so that area needs to stay clean and dry. And so keeping that pressure on it, just it's covered over. Um, but that helps a lot. Uh, healing. I think that's like the first thing that comes to mind. Another, just another more cosmetic thing um, is finding products that work or creating your own um, products that work to keep the area clean, like and clear from infection. Uh, so like things like aloe, um, uh, 
eucalypt. I, I, I don't like giving like my things because they're, they're really just for you. But I mean, you can research the benefits. This is how I'll frame it. You can research the healing, the benefits of aloe, um, eucalyptus oil, as far as what it serves, what purpose it serves as far as cleaning and cleansing. Of course, we all know things like peroxide. Um, but I would also advise to steer clear of things like neosporin, unless you know, you truly understand what's in it. Um, but if you do, then you'll also recognize that there are more natural alternatives. Um, yeah. So th- th- I just wanted to get that out there. Um, and there's some really great companies that, um, that have great belly band supports. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I'll co-sign the aloe though. Like I, I don't think anybody would like, you know, bark against the aloe. Like right. it does wonders for the skin period okay like how do you say now oil oh castor oil that's the other one castor oil Mm -hmm. is phenomenal it's one of the few oils that actually knit from the outside in so it it literally you can well i'm sure people know you can take it if you experience constipation and things like Mm -hmm. that but it also is very curative from the outside so keeping your belly um, when I'm rubbing mine, it's, you, you can't see the hand motion. <laughs> Keeping it um, slathered in castor oil is not a bad thing. And of course, you can put, you can use an essential oil if you want to not have it smell like sulfur. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there is castor oil that you can ingest, like, you know, similar to black seed oil, I think. Um, mm-hmm. You can ingest it. So, like, as we know, things work better from the inside than the outside. So like, you know, it, it's always great to like find that, that balance between like putting the topical um, and a topical uh, remedy on, but also finding the, the, the method of ingestion. If it's something that can be ingested, Not everything can be ingested, but definitely there are um, ingestible forms of like black seed and um, castor oil. Yes. I won't, won't endorse, but there's, you can go to plenty of, places that advertise you know holistic food (laughs) (laughs) you can go there and they have it or you can go on these amazing websites that you think you can order (laughs) that's very true um for myself for the healing process uh I ended up getting three incisions uh, because my daughter would have ripped me if uh, she just came out that way. And to me, that stands out more. I still to this day hear the slit like, oh, my God. Um, But it wasn't. Oh, you mean you can hear them when they cut? Yes, that that just was amplified in my head. And to this day, I still I don't know. It's it's still (laughs) trauma. The memory is just traumatic in ways. I'm like, oh my god! But anyhow, um, that that healed pretty well because it was the dissolvable stitches and in sutures and whatnot. Um, what happened though was I, those big, you know, the the net underwears they give you with the big pads, the pillow pads. I had to have that on. Um, even when I came home, uh, but I ended up catching a UTI for the first time in my life, and that was terrible for me so that just like the healing process after giving birth for me was a little harsh because I I've never had a UTI I didn't know what to what that was it was so painful to just you know urinate it was painful across the board um 
So that was my biggest challenge. Um, and when I told the doctor and it was just this one pill, like this pill that he gave me and, and it worked, the antibiotics, but I didn't see him until I think maybe two weeks after. So I was dealing with that for quite, I, I, I might be wrong, maybe it was a week, but uh, I was dealing with that the whole time. I literally was crying every time I had to use the bathroom and I was like, oh my God. However, the nurses had gave me this, um, this this wipe that eases the pain down there and so i would just sit <laughs> over the toilet with the pad the wipe just on there just to give me some relief because it, it was painful um with the uti but after i got the antibiotics that i needed um it healed up very very well of course i was still you know bleeding and whatnot but um I, I moved. I kept myself moving so I could heal better. I didn't want to just stay put, you know, on the bed, from the bed, the baby, wash up, and that's it. So I would walk around the house in circles if I needed to, um, to just stay a little bit active. I tried to, like, still do little things around the house as far as, like, you know, making tea and, you know, things like that without strain, um, straining myself in any way or overdoing things. But the healing process overall, it wasn't too bad minus the UTI process um, and getting that cleared up. But um, afterwards, I, w I was okay. I was all right. I wanted to give one more thing that came to mind when you were sharing about the um, your episiotomy experience. Um, mm -hmm. And that is just in general, we all recognize when you go into, you have a cut, and you go into the ocean or the seawater, um, what happens? It is healed and clean and, you know, everything is right in the world. Um, and so I wanted to just talk, just give a nod to sitz baths, salt water, warm water and salt um, is so important as far as supporting postpartum healing, prepartum healing, <laughs> It's just, it's just really, really important that you, um, the simple things, right? Saline is abundant in the hospital systems. And it's because that simple salt water, um, research, what it does for your body, um, internally and externally. Um, and of course I can't say yeah. salt water with coconut water. So that's it for my, my healing things. <laughs> And what about like, so, so for people, like you said, some salt is like usually abundant in the house. So should somebody go and like grab the Morton's off the table, and just like go to town and no. grab some or is salt better? Epsom just, salt. Is, <laughs> thank <I'm> you. No. <laughs> Epsom salt is, is, is ideal. But again, I didn't even research. That's why it's important, you know, take our words, but don't just blindly take our words, right? Mm -hmm. Research for yourself yeah. what what it means because there's black salt, there's Himalayan salt, there's there's pink salt, yes. there's sea salt, there's Epsom oh. salt. And they each have like if you're if you're doing a sitz bath, you may not want to use Epsom salt. You may want to use um sea salt. You may want to use Himalayan salt. But you you need to do that work on your own, right? And and come up yeah. with what works best for you. But thank you. No, I don't think you ever want to use Morton's salt. <laughs> Not even in your food, but that's all. <laughs> oh, one oh, thing right. I forgot to mention, like right. precious with the belly band. Um, well, this was more, I guess, for a snapback because this is what you know the elders had mentioned. You always want to tie your belly up after you give birth. Um, so that was pr practically um 
also for healing. And that's something I always had, I had to do. I was just, like I said, I was worn out <laughs> from, um, from delivering. Um, so that just irked my soul having to put it on. I did for a few days. And then I was like, listen, it is what it is. Okay. I'm not going to torture myself because I'm, I don't care about snapping back right now. I just want to feel comfortable. Right. So I tried it and I was like, all right, my mom was like, but you're going to, I don't care. We'll work it. When we get there, we'll deal with it. But right now I don't want any parts of it, but yeah, that that's part of it. That's what's um, in, in my culture too. What we're told to do, we have to wrap your belly. So, you know, so you don't get fat. Um, or it also helps to heal. But the, the thing that was emphasized for me wasn't the healing, which I wish they would have mentioned more, was the healing component of it. But it was more about the snapback. And I was like I said, I was just like, all right, I'm over this. No, I was too uncomfortable. And it was those tight. They were like tight. And I was just tight. like, how can I? How can I tend to the baby when I'm in such discomfort? And I was like, all right, Ma, this is not going to work. She was like, all right, fine. That's fine. Because I'm going to take it off anyway. But yeah, that was and the other thing. Yeah, that's where perspective is so important, right? That now, mm-hmm. if it been for healing and you understood all of, even what that discomfort meant, because that was me on the opposite side. I knew mm-hmm. the discomfort was me being supported. You know, mm-hmm. like I, so it was like, oh, this is good. Like, yeah, it's tight. And yeah, you know, it's a little bit rigid, but it wasn't for any sort of snap back, right? Mm-hmm. It was because I know this is how I needed to kind of support my, my, my seat of creation, my womb space. Right. So right. But we have to, we have to connect with those elders and get that information. Mm-hmm. Um, and then research, we, we can access so much now so that we know why it really is. Yeah. It might be snap back is 10%, 20%, but what's that other 80, 90? Right. Right. Um, but this is good. My children That's are good. Right. They were supposed to be doing something else at twelve fifteen. So I'm surprised they're not <laughs> they're banging like, down my door. No. But they 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 know so today's it. live day. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are we are ending, but I just wanted to make sure we um you know ended the conversation with the you know the most important piece, which is like you know how do you heal you know start the healing process and it is more than just the physical part right mm-hmm. it is um you know how you and if you do need to heal emotionally it all starts in how you prepped and how the, the pregnancy was spent right so but mm-hmm. those are definitely that need to be acknowledged addressed and 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 discussed so like you know even though this show was you know for postpartum experiences we're still going to be talking about maternal health all summer so i'm sure some of them will come back up if folks have comments, definitely put them in the chat and we'll like, you know, get to you as we can and answer. Um, so just a quick recap. This was about postpartum experiences. And um, interestingly enough, like, you know, I was, I was like chatting and texting with a friend and she's like, oh, but I didn't have any postpartum experiences it's, like all through the show. And I'm like, no, it's, come on. It's fine. It's great. You know, postpartum is not just about depression. It is everything that happens post birth. So, like, you know, that's another thing. This is why it's True Health Live. We have to make sure that we are making distinguished uh, dis- distinctions, right, between, you know, what what we think um, kind of as group think because of how words are used. So when people hear postpartum, they immediately think, oh, depression. It's everything that happens post-birth. That's why they have to add the word depression because it's depression after birth. So... Um, so we, we talked about lactation, you know, everything that happens, like latching on, 
um, you know, what happens in that process, the womb, the uterus contracting, like, which is part of the snapback, you know, contracting to go back and the releasing of oxytocin um, to help relax mommy and baby, um, you know, stimulating milk, you know, all of these things and, and processes that go on within the body are important for um, postpartum. And, um, you know, that's what we're talking about. And, and also we did talk about the mental health issues that some women face and like, you know, going into postpartum depression. One in seven women will experience more serious, you know, mental health issues, which is considered the postpartum depression. So if that's the case, there are different avenues that you can take. You can, you know, definitely make sure you reach out to your doctor or midwife or nurse or some medical professional so that you can get the support that you need. And then we also moved into um, uh, uh, the pain or healing after, you know, certain types of, well, there's only two. Cesarean, I'm like, you can't come anywhere else. <laughs> Cesarean or vaginal birth, if there's no other place for baby come out. I don't even know. <laughs> Not a lot of options. Um, so, you know, and then there, I feel like there was something else. Did I miss something? We did uh, cover something. Oh, periods, you know, the return of the menses after pregnancy or the cleaning out of the woman and like how you, you know, uh, the experience of um, the cycle returning, right? And so these things are always going to be, you know, they're going to be varying stories from woman to woman. So definitely make sure you share your comments in the chat. Um, not the chat, the chat will be off. It's no longer live after we're done. But share your comments uh, in the comment section and we'll definitely um, make sure to dialogue with you. Or you can, you know, put a comment in any of the posts on social media. As always, if you want to hear about a topic or you're interested in some series you want us to cover, you know, definitely make sure to reach out at truehealthlive at gmail.com. You can send a, a DM to any one of the social media um, um, platforms. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can, um, you know, leave a message in the comments. Um, and we'll, of course, I'll repeat this all again in the closing when this airs on our podcast. You can also catch um, True Health Live on YouTube. We're live every other Sunday on YouTube. And we are also a um, audio version podcast for those of you who are on the go, right? Um, you can catch us on um, your major podcasting station. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Anishka Precious, for being so open um, and sharing your stories. We wish we could have got some live stories with people a little bit scared. That's okay. So there'll be other opportunities for people to come on and join um, and share um, their experiences. So give thanks, everyone. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your day. And we will see you again on August 22nd. We're talking about advocacy and um, um, not advocacy, health disparities um, when it comes to maternal health and reproductive health. Um, so join us in two weeks on August 22nd. Peace, everyone. Bye. Bye. Take care. Thank you for joining us here at True Health Live. Remember to like, save, share, and subscribe. Leave a comment and send an email if there's a topic if you want to discuss. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at True Health Live. You can also listen on DeidreSully.com. If there's a topic you'd like to discuss or hear, you can send an email to truehealthlive at gmail.com. See you next time.